we start this podcast? I don't know. Comics Place presents oh. a podcast. Oh, I like that. Is that, is that too short? Comics Place presents a podcast. A co- nope, that's it's, good. No. It's gonna... about comics. Oh my God, you're right. It's about an hour to an hour and 15 minutes. You are good. You are good. I got to get uh, William's email around here. That'll tell me what episode this is. 267. Whew, haven't read it yet. <laughs> Welcome in, everyone, to The Comics Place Presents, a comic book podcast. About comics. From a comics shop in Bellingham, Washington, The Comics Place. And we're your comics for the night. I'm Django. And I'm Jeff. And we love to have a rip-roaring time. We also like to take comics in, think about those comics, and then uh, talk about them on this podcast where we engage in a variety of tangents, either related to or unrelated to the comics that we read, the shop that we hang out in, or the comings and goings of our lives. I already told you who I am, and he already told you who he is, so let's get down to the nitty-gritty. We're going to be talking shop, talking comic book business. If you're feeling like we're two legs of a tripod, you're right. Roman's not here. He picked up a shift for somebody else. He's the third and fourth leg most of the He's time. He's the third and fourth leg, absolutely. And um, and and I think we're going to get through it without him, but we do love him, and I'm very sad because we were missing him to talk about the final issue of a book that I know he loves, but the nitty-gritty of it, the comics we're going to be talking about, um, we're going to kick this whole thing off with the Crimson Cage. Crimson Cage. Because I spent all day reading all of it. Not all day. We're also <laughs> going to talk about a very timely book called Secret History of the War on Weed. Number one. One Shh. shot. It's a, it's a secret. We're going to talk about Ice Cream 29 because Django and I both had similar hard nipples this week when we read that (laughs) and saw a reference in it. Uh, We're going to talk about Hulk number six, Batman Superman World's Finest, Captain America. We're going to do a little uh, modulated instance of the buckshot on this podcast. Um, But modulating buckshots is what we've been doing for quite a while. Uh, So, Django, before we get into the post nitty gritty but I would like to introduce the post nitty gritty pre comic discussion area of this podcast, which we read an email from our friend William Elmer. Do you support? I vote I. Okay, and I vote you as well. Um, happy and hello and happy episode two hundred sixty seven. I was just at the dinner table with the family discussing and then signing up my oldest daughter, Olivia, for middle school electives. She chose band. Proud of you, Olivia. She also just recently took health class. So our dinner conversations have become quite interesting lately. <laughs> All of this is absolutely terrifying stuff, which let me left me thinking about coming of age stories. What are your favorite coming of age stories in, in comic form and why did you connect with them? Love you to the moon and back again, Will. I remember um, being the in like fourth grade and my mom ran into, because Colville was a small town, my mom ran into some other parents at the grocery store. And it was the second time in like a two week period where the parents said, um, different parents both times, but this the second time triggered her to tell me, but uh, that I was the subject of dinner conversation at the table at their family almost <laughs> almost daily or at least weekly. And um, that sure went to my nine-year-old head, I tell you what. <laughs> that pretty nine-year-old girl is talking about me. And that other 
nine-year-old boy is talking about me. I um, try some of the things I learned in health class on that boy. <laughs> yeah, I don't envy the health class discussions, but I just say go for it. Just open up Pandora's <laughs> box and and share it. Um, also, Olivia, great job with the band selection. Can't wait to hear what instrument you decide to take. That's super exciting. Ooh. I remember that moment in my life, and it was formative. Uh, changed my life. Coming of age stories. That's Man, a I'm great just a, question. I'm a broken record when it comes to that. Um, okay, Harley okay, okay. Quinn breaking glass, buddy. Sorry. Okay. No, you no, were, no, no. You were about to try to guess, but I was. I was. It's Harley Quinn breaking glass. Like it's just so good. I can't think of any <laughs> i i just googled them that one didn't come up when i googled um you know off the top of my head thinking recently like i liked middle west um coming of age is such an interesting idea because like does it have to mean you know sign up sort of like childhood to adolescence or like i could think of many pretty important lessons that i learned through comics as an adult or like kind of coming into adulthood or like kind mm -hmm. of putting my relationship with my mother or father in perspective. Like I would say day tripper to beat a broken record and get beat a dead horse with that one. Again, yeah. uh, red wing made me kind of rethink my relationship with my father in, in certain ways. Uh, mm. um, coming of age, you know, like again, a key member of the fantastic four dies in the Hickman fantastic four run. And there's a, you know, a moment, near the end of the first volume that like, you know, definitely made me rethink the idea of loss as it relates to me. But um, gosh, coming of age. That's such uh, an interesting. I wasn't reading a lot of comics also when I was like nine to 16. Well, like Sweet Tooth. I think that's probably a pretty good one. Um, you know, and, and really uh, Dragon Ball is like, and Digimon. Like those are the things uh -huh. I was into at that age. So not comics, but manga. But like, mm -hmm. that's what I was really into at that time. And those are all sort of like, you know, Japan has a bit of a uh, fascination or borderline obsession with like youth, you know, like yeah. so much of their stuff focuses on a, a younger age. So I think you get more of those types of stories uh, in like anime or manga. But um, those, all the ones I was taking at that time were kind of dealing with that transition from childhood to adolescence. So I, I would say, frankly, Digimon is is on my mind right now. Man, I'm, I'm looking at, at some lists of them, at, like just, internet lists of coming of age books and we should just ask Braden because this yeah. is like every every book yeah yeah this is this is like the Braden sage corner here it's this one summer the teen titans raven backstagers it just looks like Braden's pick shelf yeah it's, well yeah it's pretty awesome i would um, say squirrel girl is in that realm too that's one that i have not read all of but read quite a bit of and like oh the runaways i really like the rainbow Ralph, oh yeah the runaways run i would what about that, um will american born chinese. might really like that uh american born chinese is a very good one I what about that superman smashes the clan or even like dragon Hoop, like the gene lewin yang discography if you will i don't think dragon hoops I didn't really focuses on on a young enough person it's like him coming into his own as a writer but it's i okay. think coming of age is specifically like coming into adolescence puberty it's it's yeah. like stand by me okay it's kind of the the gold standard that i would use for a coming of age story just like what what fucked up trauma do you go through when you're a, a late teen and and yeah turn into a, a grown-up before any grown-ups know that you are i i gotta be frank though that and we even talked about it, i remember like back in the day like I, I don't have a huge soft spot for ya fiction um mm -hmm. and partially because like i was i guess maybe many people were but i had a very active junior high high school life and lived a lot of it in that period so i don't necessarily find myself wanting for those lessons because I feel like I did get a lot of them out of life. Um, but that maybe that sounds pretentious. I don't know. Just just grab a Mariko Tamaki graphic novel 
Like she also did uh, Laura Dean keeps breaking up with me, which mm. is kind of in this neighborhood. Yeah, that's, oh, a, that's one, a really good question. One that I really like by a writer that we don't talk about anymore is The New York Four by Brian mm. Wood. And I remember mm -hmm. when Ashton started working at the store, I told him to take that home and he took it home and he really enjoyed it as well. And that's just about four, um, you know, high school to college girls in New York City. But it is dealing with a lot of kind of the high school coming of age stuff. And I love that book. And there's a sequel that it's... wasn't as good, but. I think it's out of print at this point yeah i think I we have right. one copy of the new york four and five collected together but yeah. anyway uh that's a great 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 book um django <clears throat> but now i think it's time william thank you as always and thank you big shout out thank you to andrew carlson for editing the podcast i'm gonna mm -hmm. see if we can get this podcast out a couple days early this week because everyone my mama got covid she got bit by the bug and she does seem to like this podcast quite a bit and it gives her some levity so we're gonna try and get it out maybe on even saturday or something so that she can wow. do it while she's hanging out in her home what just, a son what yeah. a son i'm All gonna right. let my mom talk about how i talked about having hard nipples while reading what book did i say already like what oh ice, ice cream, cream man, man gave us both hard nipples. yeah can't yeah. wait for my mom to hear about our hard nipples during ice cream man i gotta tell you jeff yeah when you said roman wasn't gonna be here i almost made a hard nipples joke and then really? like 30 seconds later you said hard nipples out of your mouth so i was picking it up about ice cream man i was so. picking it up from you yeah, yeah we're, we're on the same strong nipple vibes like you know, like Ping. thumbs, you know, yeah. like the ends of a thumb nipple, like, like eraser uh, tips. peanut M&Ms, not regular M&Ms is what you're saying. I don't associate that shape with nipple very often. Uh, you just got to squish them in there just right. Ping. Squish what into what? I'll show you later. Okay, cool. Let's talk about the Crimson Cage. I am so excited that I did this um, and I... I, you know, we talk about it all the time. <laughs> it's hard to read an entire story, even if it's only five or six issues uh, after it's come out when you're working mm -hmm. at a comic shop or even as you're just developing a huge, you know, I, we've got a lot of wonderful subscribers who have frequently all talked about the same, like oh, my two read stack is huge. And it's like, yeah, that's a real problem. So Good for you. You should see mine. Yeah, it's this exactly. whole store. I was going to say it's a comic <laughs> shop. And you know what? I get the added guilt of feeling terrible when somebody's like, you haven't read the end of Sandman and you work at a comic shop. <laughs> you haven't read any coming of age stories and you work at a comic shop. <laughs> get out of here, man. Um, okay. But Crimson Cage, this is by John Lee's Alex McCormack, Ashley, sorry, Alex Cormack and Ashley Cormack. That is the artist on Rode Bones and mm -hmm. Cia Soros. Oh, yeah. Uh, Django's been tracking those for a long time. I it's, like this guy a lot. Yeah, different writer <laughs> on this one. Mm -hmm. um, and we need Roman here because he'd be the actual expert. But like, this is this is Macbeth by way of early 80s, late 70s wrestling franchises in the Southeast. Does that sound right? Louisiana. I think most of the stories set in Louisiana. Right? Yeah. Yeah. You, yeah. Um, and you and Roman have, and Sean have loved this series for quite a while. And like, since the first issue, it's five issues long. The final issue came out this week. And it's not like, I don't generally pursue anything having to do with wrestling. No, I was, like, I, I know I would probably enjoy wrestling in general, at least until I saw the bones of every, every storyline or whatever, but it, it's never like an added bonus for me. I don't know why I read the first issue of it. I, I, brought it on a vacation with me and it was the first comic I read that week because I was like oh this looks light and fun yeah. I read it and I was like this is the this is one of the most well-crafted comics I've read in ages while reading this today all of the five issues which are girthy dense issues you know mm -hmm. I'd say not the width not not the diameter of a 
peanut M&M, but maybe a plain M&M, girthy. Um, I was surprised at how close it comes to the like real wrestling. Like the words that they use are real wrestling words. They are always used like marks or going over or like just there's tons of them, you know, heel turns, all this shit. Um, But so I I, and and like the way that they wound themselves or how they talk through matches or plan them out and the shorthand for that. So I was astounded that a book that felt so loyal and honest in the way that it was representing wrestling was interesting to you because I've never watched wrestling with you, but I've watched it with Sean and Roman quite a bit. Mm -hmm. Um, And I I was very into that. I was very into that. You liked that. It wasn't. It wasn't really the wrestling that sold. No, me. I mean, like, no, they, they could have done this yeah. in a lot of different formats. I think, I don't know. I mean, so much of it is the story about building the story about a wrestling arc. Right? And the way that they write that <clears throat> into this final issue, the way that they almost yeah. justify why they decided to use wrestling, but Satan mm-hmm. is the one explaining it or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's just a kind of a masterful series from start to finish. I'm flipping through it right now and you're right. It is a lot of words. I don't think I ever really noticed that it was a whole lot of words. It just felt like a, a kind of a long comic each time in a, in a good way. The, the dialogue is amazing and feels authentic when they're, when they're talking to somebody from the South, it doesn't mm-hmm. feel like a cartoon of that character. It feels like a dude that you might talk to who's from the South. Um, and I thought that just the, the, all of the characters were pretty consistent, even when they've been cursed, if that makes sense. It, it does in the, in my limited knowledge of Hamlet. Um, what is astounding to me is that this book was everything you guys said it was. It was, it was, I think one of the most well-crafted comics I've read in a very long time mm-hmm. issue to issue. I totally agree with what you said. They're dense issues. Um, but they're like a Hickman dense issues, which is to me, they can be very long, but they never feel long. Um, we read a lot of comics in general, when I read a comic, it takes me about 15 minutes, just kind of a rule of thumb. I check the clock a lot while I was reading these. Each <laughs> issue took me about 20 minutes. So, you know, it's it's in the act of reading. It was a whole third longer than my you know other comics. This so it is a dense brew. It's uh, it's amazing to me that a book this good, like that three people in the store, you and Roman and Sean all said was as good as it is. And then I'm reading now and I agree. It is amazing that this book, we were getting four copies. We had three subscribers <laughs> and, and all, all three of them were employees <laughs> of the store. And nobody outside of the store was reading this book. That is who, insane to me. Who do you recommend it to though? Like if well, somebody comes in and they're like, hey, what's really cool? This is an amazing comic, but you can't give it to a new comic reader. I don't think. Well, I would say that wrestling is a much more common interest in a comic shop than people talk about. I think it does have still some weird stigma, but um, yeah, I think that if anyone mentions any interest in wrestling, immediately give them this this comic because it's the best representation of wrestling I've ever seen in a comic and then take all of that away. And it's this amazing Hamlet story that felt equal parts. Well, I mean, it felt like the movie, the wrestler, with uh, sure. whiplash yeah. um, and then some of the most atmospheric awesome art I've ever seen there's times where I was like this is I wish there was a little bit more light in this book because I can't quite tell what's going on and I was like you know what it's sometimes you just need sometimes you just need a bunch of dark red blood slashing across a bunch of shit <laughs> and how violent it is um, is amazing but it's not violent for violence sake it's so wrestling-esque it's yep. 
The character yep. work is phenomenal. You don't need to know anything about wrestling or even a need to enjoy wrestling to enjoy this book. Like mm-hmm. we're going to order a shitload of com- uh, graphic novels of this. And I think yeah. that we're going to sell them because I think if anyone mentions an interest in Shakespeare, you would like this. If anyone just likes brutal action stuff, you would like this. If you like wrestling at all, you would love this. Uh, so it wasn't until we were just talking about this that I realized that I would put this on the horror shelf. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And I, I think mean, it would sell great on the horror shelf. I would say, cause it is very horrific. Like it's Macbeth yeah. out, which I've only actually really engaged with Macbeth in a different adaptation I, of it. That I wouldn't started. have even caught yeah. that. I wouldn't have caught the Macbeth reference after the first issue. If Roman hadn't mentioned it, maybe because there's like the three swamp, witches in yeah, the first that, issue or whatever, but like without, things. yeah, like I, I, I I don't think I made that connection right out of the gate because we, I guess we see a lot of things in comics and we'll talk about that in a couple of comics. We see a lot of things that are references or quotes from other media, but not necessarily a retelling of this other media. Mm-hmm. Right. So like the, the first season of, um, uh, what's that biker TV show sons, sons of, of anarchy. anarchy. Like that starts out as Macbeth. Is that right? Or Hamlet? I don't know. I've never seen it. It starts out as one of those two. And after the first season, it kind of loses that track. But this is, this is, I think, pretty close to like a, a Macbeth retelling, right? I, and I think that Shakespeare, you can do that with. Like there, right. there's Shakespeare, you know, like everything, everywhere, all at once was basically an experiment in trying to do that same thing, which is how can I take the core of a story and then mm. redress it constantly in different things, but still mm. kind of be getting the themes and the, the the metaphor through as it's exploring different genres of the exact same theme. Mm. Um, yeah, I think Macbeth, or sorry, Shakespeare works really well to do that. Like you can, you know, because yeah. he's dealing with these really core issues. So in this one, it is sort of like, the loss of oneself in the pursuit of a dream and then also the a sort of like um the, the godfather not the godfather the, <laughs> oh my god the devil who did goodfellas joe pesci uh yeah 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 scorsese so it's got like a scorsese-esque sort of like the slow beginning the rise of what goes into the rise of a character and then the, the downfall of the character like yeah. i consider that such a scorsese-esque thing and this does that um anyway uh, everything you guys said was totally true. The art is amazing. It's so well written. It's so tight and mm-hmm. consistent. Um, I can't wait to have a paperback of it. And I just think that like, I think it's the best thing AWA has put out in my mind for sure. Maybe there's that not all robots, but this I think is, is one of the most fun. One of the best comics that's been of the out last lately. year. Yeah, I yeah. totally agree. Totally agree. So um, I read all of it today. I'm going to give it a 9.5. I, I think it's a, I'm, I just can't believe I wasn't reading it. And I'm glad you guys were. I'm glad Sean, the core, like the big wrestler made a push for it for everyone to read it. And, uh-huh. um, you know, that's what got me to read it at least. Yeah. Anyway, big, big ups, everyone. Great series. Holy so shit. You're, you're giving the series a nine, 9.5. I would. So this final <clears throat> issue, I think I'd probably give a nine to a 9.5. What, what, what did you give this issue? How do you feel like it wrapped the whole thing up? I think I would give this issue a 9.5 only because there was one time jump that was unclear. Was it? And I don't, I don't really want to talk about it because mm-hmm. we just talked this up as a whole story, mm-hmm. but um, it's, this is, this is the second page of it. And it yeah. just, the, the, yep. the, I, I went back and forth a few times. I was like, did I miss a page? Did I even went through a few other pages to see if they had misprinted the issue and had the pages out of order because it felt like something was gone or something on the previous page had been imagined mm-hmm. and I couldn't 
I just couldn't quite grok it. So other than that, I would have given this issue a 10 and I'm going to give the whole series a nine and a half that it's, it didn't almost lose me, but there was one issue in the middle, probably three or four where I was like, eh, mm-hmm. I'm a little lost here. And that's very possibly just me reading it once a month rather than in one sitting like you yeah. did. Yep. I think it worked better in one sitting for sure. Everything you said about the score and I would just also as an endorsement, if you know someone that likes wrestling and you've just never quite gotten it Mm -hmm. because you're like, yeah, on one hand, it is fake. And on one hand, it is real, but it's not real or fake in the way that you think it is. It's really not. And um, they kind of get explore that in here. I just like I love when he says that one thing where like if you can get the audience, an audience member to question if this is real or not for one minute, you succeeded. (laughs) And that's what that's the entire point of wrestling is just sort of like, was that part planned? I don't know if that part was planned. Oh my God. Like that's, that's the whole goal. And they simultaneously talk about that aspect of wrestling while making you do that in the story. And, and then anyway, it's a really one of the most interesting comic book craft things I've seen in quite a while. So great recommendation, everyone. So for anybody who's listening who wants it, I'll bet we have at least one full bundle set of five. Yep. We might have a second one floating around somewhere yeah. and the trade comes out on June 22nd. I could so not recommend pre-order this book it highly if you enough. want. We'll get plenty in. Yeah. Um, yeah. If you're listening to this and you haven't read any of it, you should definitely read <clears> it. Um, Django, it was probably kind of crazy for you because this Wednesday was 420. And that's like simultaneously the busiest day of the week that we have. And, you know, actually Saturday is the busiest day of the week that we have at our store, frankly. But at this point, but but Wednesday is crazy. But it was so hard for you, I bet, to be working on 420 and not just be like out of your gourd rocked on weed crack. You know, just like the fact that you helped as many people as you did, you know, rang up some transactions, you Mm -hmm. know, like, you know, definitely got lost a lot. But I mean, like the fact that you weren't um, out of your gourd. On I'm just, the... I'm just thankful that the machines do math for us, man. I know. Oh God, man. <laughs> was you and touch me and both. go for a couple of years there. <laughs> but uh, I would say that in a perfect bit of publishing, uh, Image Comics released the secret story <laughs> history of the war on weed by uh, Brian Pasane and Jerry Gary Duggan and Scott Cublish on art. This seems to be a one-shot by the same team that started writing Deadpool together when Marvel Now began. So um, right around six years ago, I would think. Comedic team, Gary Jerry Duggan, kind of outs himself as a stoner in this, which I think we could have inferred, but it's nice to hear somebody just be real open about it in a point of power. And, uh, you know, Django, you're just such a crack, a weed crack rock smoker. You know, like the BC bud give you the oils. You just want to fucking take a dab and zone out, chillax for a bit. Um, Did you hear that? I did. What was that? That was was my guitar chord. I touched it with my foot because it's still plugged in. You play guitar? I play guitar. I fucking play the guitar, dude. You know who's a sick guitar player? Uh, You? Phil Satile. Shout out Phil Satile. Uh, One of the greatest uh, Bellingham musicians there is. And that guy used to help out with the podcast and now he just plays guitar. How the well, mighty have fallen. You, if you saw what he was doing with the guitars, you wouldn't blame him. Um, <laughs> exactly. So anyway, uh, what did you think of the secret history of the war on weed? It was dumb and I liked it. It was dumb and I liked it too. <laughs> I mean, it, it's, it's like just this side of Deadpool. Like the, yeah, the dude, yeah. the, the main character isn't breaking the fourth wall, but the narrator is in a pretty offensive way. Um but I didn't mind. Man, I was just kind of along for the ride. 
I thought the art was really good for what it was. Like it's it reminds I me did, of uh, that dude who did Hitman stuff and John McRae. Yeah, it's got kind of a McRae vibe to me. Yeah, yeah, mixed with some Amanda Connor and some Eric Larson. Yeah, all all of that and and it it just the, the art felt good to me. Yeah, it, yeah. That's a good description. There's a lot of panels on each page, but I knew who ran, who Nancy Reagan was every time she showed up. And oh, I, I love the, I love the, just like Nancy Reagan gives blowjobs jokes. Oh God, your mom's listening to this. No, she Does knows she about, know about the Nancy Reagan blowjob thing. A shout out my mom, who, when I was in fourth grade, took me to Spokane two hours away to go see the movie. Freddie got fingered starring Tom Green. Cause I was a huge Tom Green fan as a nine year old. And there's a lot of blowjob references in there. And on our way back to Colville, at night while I was sitting in the car, she turned to me and said, do you even know what a blowjob is? And I said, <laughs> yeah. And she said, I didn't know what that was till I was 18, which is the shittiest thing to hear your mom say, because like, why did you find out when you were 18, mom? <laughs> like, what? What happened? <laughs> like, it was just one of those moments where she said that. And I was like, well, this is the end of this story. I don't I'm not going to ask. I just anymore. filled in a lot of story, mom. Yeah. Thanks, mom. <laughs> Hope you're feeling better, Kippy. Um, mm. So I thought while I was reading it, I was like, I think Django's going to like this. And I would say, you know, jokes aside, Django, you're not a huge stoner. I am a huge stoner. Uh, and you stone for me. I stone enough for the both of us. So, you know, it, I started it not stoned. And I was like, then they were like, we're really high. Like the narration said that I was like, ah, I guess I'm going to smoke weed and read this comic. <laughs> okay, but, guys. But um, the humor felt very Django to me. But I could see it's a little like, you know, marijuana West of Django humor. Because it, it, there's a lot of like, you know, they joke about the idea that like you had to go to prison and, you know, you know about prison Pruno, but he started growing marijuana Pruno. Like, and it <laughs> yeah, shows this weed growing out of weed shit in the, in the toilet. toilet. <laughs> You're laughing, Django. I am, but like that that specific panel i was like oh god that's dumb like i felt like a grumpy roman when i saw that panel yeah it took, it took me out just long enough that uh, yeah i don't know it it's funny it's a little bit and you're not gonna believe me but it's a little bit childish for my sense of humor <laughs> um yeah i think it's like it is you know kind of stonery humor i think if you're stoned while you're reading it it's you can kind of forgive dumbness for just sort of like i don't know like Basically, if I'm stoned, I'm going to give a lot. I'm going to give a little bit more Django Roman laughs. I'm going to laugh at things yeah. that I think are dumb <clears throat> and not be critical of them for being dumb is kind of what this did for me. I was like, I don't know if this is dumb and I'm going to bail out halfway or not. But each page makes me chuckle a little bit. And the art is tight and tight in a you know well, concise, good way. Not like not like a tight. Um, it's, it's tight in that there's a lot of panels on every page. There is also Crimson Cage. I want to just shout out retroactively that did some of the most innovative uh, text bubble progressions. Yeah. It was it would stack it in weird ways. It would move from like top right to bottom right, but it would co connect by the text bubbles. Very impressive stuff. Um, yeah, I, I just uh, I think if it's, you know, as a stoner of my age, <laughs> I'm still like kind of petrified that people will know I'm stoned or that they will know that you smoke weed uh -huh. and like oh it's legal like it's just there is a cathartic thing for me to being like we're comic writers and we're stoned right now and these are all stoner jokes and we're just talking yeah. about the fact that i don't know there was a catharsis for me that was like oh and i was reading it on 420 no i read it the night before but i was like oh this is you know this is this is uh this little celebration of a thing that's a part of my life and i i liked that i think but it's very dumb i think that garth ennis couldn't could have written this and I think that that toilet weed joke would have been a little bit 
more skilled, if that makes any sense. Like, yeah, it's so close. Well, you and I both know that I'm not a Gary Jerry Duggan fan, and I like Brian Posehn as a comedian, but like Gary Jerry is not one of my favorite writers. So I, I all I, over, like, yeah, yeah, I usually do like him, yeah, quite a bit, and I, I like Brian Posehn's stand up a lot more than I like his comics usually. Yeah, but I agree with that. usually he's just writing comics that I don't have interest in the characters. But I feel I, like um, Ennis wouldn't write a comic about weed. I mean, he did that one issue of Swamp no. Thing, but uh, Hellblazer, yeah. Oh, is that what that was? When did yeah, I, it was I read John that? John Constantine's recently. birthday. Oh, you gave think, me that issue to read. Yeah, I think that was in that yeah. back. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah, yeah uh, that was a good issue. I would like to point out that there was some really interesting storytelling there, where like he knows that the 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 government's coming to get him, so he bakes a bunch of pop brownies, and then he ties an American flag around his thigh, and that's just like super badass Rob Liefeld kind of rah yeah, rah yeah. rah shit. But then a few pages later, and they don't call it out or anything, but he he gets attacked. And you can see him untying the flag and then using the flag to wrap around his opponent's head before he tears the dude's arms off. And it's just like, that's that's some storytelling that's not really referenced at all, except in the pictures. And I thought that yeah. was pretty solid. And you're I, not I'd like to see the, this artist do a lot more. You're not mentioning the dialogue, which is the opponent is saying, I've been waiting for this day. I hear you're into you're a pothead now to our muscular guy. And he says, yeah, I'm into weed. <laughs> but unfortunately for you, and he rips the guy's arms off and he says, I still got steroids in my system. <laughs> and I was like, that is so dumb. And I loved it. Um, I would give that issue an eight, no, a 7.5. But I think for a comic that came out on 420 about weed on a day that the world was encouraging you to get stoned and maybe read a comic, um, you know, the celebration of that, I'm going to give an 8.5. Nice. I Or I 4.2. Uh, <laughs> times two. No, that's, that's an 8.4. Uh, I went into this thinking I was going to give it a seven, but I'm going to give it a 7.75 because the art, the art's real good, real skilled. And you can't take those laughs back. No, I wouldn't. No, you wouldn't. You wouldn't. It was, it was funny. Ice cream number 29, W. Maxwell Prince, Martin Morasso, Chris O'Halloran, an issue so good and filled with nipple hardeners that Django and I wrote <laughs> the writer an email, which I don't normally do. Uh, right before we recorded this podcast, who knows? Maybe maybe Andrew made it the intro. I don't know. Oh, um, gosh, that would be a lot of silence. And and Jeff going, uh, uh, yeah, uh, yeah. I know. Did here you go before or after the quotes? I'm not good at punctuation, <laughs> and I did do. You're getting better. I edit period, your work every week. A period You're getting <laughs> and then parentheses that ended the sentence. Like there was a, a thing, and I said in parentheses something that ended with a period. In parentheses. And then I put a period after that parentheses and I didn't Ooh. know if I needed to do that. Do you do that? It kind so, of depends so on the context, but I, I think the generally was, the parentheses should not be a punctuated sentence at the end. I, I, that's what I was thinking. So it's in parentheses was, <clears throat> was our podcast parentheses comics place presents dot, dot, dot in parentheses period, which went period oh, parentheses period. I think that's totally accurate. <laughs> I feel so I gross. think because, because the name is dot, dot, dot. Okay. Okay, cool. Yeah. yeah. All right, everyone. Well, that's a little bit of grammar for you. I don't know it. I don't know punctuation, but I think W. Maxwell Prince does. And it sucks writing an email to a published writer when you don't know basic punctuation. But I try to own it. Um, Jango, <laughs> did, you tell... put a, did you put a period after his name? W. Maxwell Prince? I don't know. Hello, W. Is period, comma. Jango, tell us why Tell us why we got a little eraser nips on our chest today. On Wednesday, rather, yesterday. So this, this issue, Ice Cream Man 29, is 
it begins with a eulogy. And on the first page, just the way that the ice cream man was delivering his eulogy, I thought this feels a lot like a song by the uh, the Felice brothers called Be at Rest from their newest album, Dreams to Dust. And I was like, that's crazy. That's not, that can't be what this is. And then like three panels later, there's a direct quote from the song where he's, he's listing things about this deceased guy. And he says, owner of one ill-fitting suit, too tight in the shoulders and thighs. And owner of one ill-fitting suit is a weird way to say something. And it's also a direct quote from, from the song. And when this singer is in this song, almost giving a eulogy. And he says the his name is owner of one ill-fitting, yeah, okay, ill-fitting suit. This is a band that Django has liked for a long time, but they released a new album, oh, a couple months ago. And, yeah. you know, and and not not long after, I mean, Django was very into it. He started listening to it. I got very into it. And we listened to it at the shop all the time um, and independently. And I sent it to my friends and I even picked up on that part. I was like, that is weird. Owner of Ill, one ill-fitting suit is exactly a reference to that song. So on Wednesday morning, Django was like, did you notice? And like, I cut him off in classic <laughs> Jeff and Django fashion. I cut him off and I was like, there's the Felice Brothers references, right? I was like, and, and I had just totally convinced myself that that's an expression that people say and blah, blah, blah or whatever. But he was like, no, there are other spots in it. So talk about a pretty fringe band. I've never heard anyone else in my entire life mention the Felice Brothers ever. They have like, there's 1500 people on their Facebook group. Okay, so they're a big like, band. I mean, 1,500. I didn't say yeah. 15,000. No, that's... I know. They're big. That's there's that's more people than we have as subscribers at the store. That's a big deal. 1,500? We send our email to 2,000 people a That's week. like Red Hot Chili Peppers stuff, bud. That's pretty close. It's pretty yeah. close. They're, they're, they're pretty small. They're pretty well known in a lot of circles that I run in. I, can, I don't... Can we just edit that out? That sounded dumb. No, I bet there's a bridge between Tom Waits and the Fleece Brothers. It all makes sense oh, to yeah. me. I get it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, But then beyond the awesome, awesome references of that... uh of that song by a band that we love from a comic that we love by a person that I am in love with Maxwell Prince <laughs> W uh, William Maxwell Prince. Uh, what did you think of the issue? It, it was actually kind of, t- I felt, I mean, I think one of the things I love about ice cream man is that the tonal focus of an ice cream man issue can be anywhere. Like it, it can be right. anything. It doesn't have to be scary or depressing or terrifying. It can be heart rocking or emotional or even like positive at times. And to me, this one felt like ounces of uh, sadness. And again, I'll use the word, but like kind of catharsis. There was like, you know, it's kind of the entire issue is framed as a eulogy. So there's an amount of freedom, I feel like in this issue that comes from talking about, I mean, I guess the issue is called what's left behind. Is that? Yeah. What are you leaving behind? And uh, there's some kind of beautiful assessments of the finality of life expressing this issue while also talking about kind of the sorrowness. Of course, the whole thing is narrated by the ice cream man. And I did have to Google William M. Parson at the end, who is like the person just to see if he's an existing person. Is he a, an existing person? Not that I was able to find, but. Okay. So, yeah, I mean, you know, we, we've talked this series to death. It's we have such a good run. And one of the things that I love about it is that at this point, almost 30 issues in every issue. Well, no, some issues have references to other issues or other themes that we've seen. None of them are necessary. Like I think every single issue in this could be a self-contained book. Mm -hmm. This one is full of references. Like the little girl is playing with the doll from an earlier issue. Uh, We see the hand at the end of space that is maybe God and maybe not. 
the person um, in the alley, like it's a drug addict, reminded me of the cockroaches from just recently. I was thinking of that sign. Although yep. that no, that sign is the end is nigh. That's Watchmen reference. But it's a Watchmen reference. But it's also a, this that character has appeared okay. in this series before. And there's also there's also kind of a recurring theme in the series of someone walking through a door into kind of a of a bizarre scene. And in this one, the character the 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 friend of Will who's dead. The friend walks into the door and he's he ends up at Will's funeral that doesn't have anybody in it which is super weird and he ends up taking Will's Will's sadness home with him or Will's weirdness home with him is it the the octopus the anxiety the, the squid yeah yeah yeah, yeah. and it, i don't know man it's it's just good and and the, the the felice brothers references go beyond that like that song ends with him leaving his child the clear blue sky and stuff and in this he goes through and leaves leaves things to people a little oak side table i made it it'll hold whatever you put on top of it which is about as much as you can ask of a side table i love that line i thought that was amazing yeah um also i just yeah i want to mention that the fleece brothers line also tied in perfectly with a django reference which is he says that everything is a little tight in the crotch so owner of one ill-fitting suit a little too tight in the crotch um is tight the, in most- the shoulders and thighs which is we know what you mean william yeah. no Maxwell, one complains about anything Prince. being tight anywhere with pants um uh yeah i mean Again, you can have a comic tell you what it's about and you can enjoy it and it can be a ton of fun. But for Jeff and my favorite stuff, it is a comic that ends on a note that leaves me questioning and wondering. And then I get use out of it after the initial, you know, initial 15 minutes I read. So um, Ice Cream Man, you kill it every single time. You're always leaving me something to think about. And I love that. So thank you, W. Maxwell Prince and Martin Morazzo and Chris O'Halloran for seriously. I can't think of a series 29 issues in that has this many high ranking scores. Like, you know, if Mr. Miracle had gone this long, maybe, but like if we average, yeah. if Andrew averaged out all of the ice cream man scores we've done on this podcast, I can't think of a, a series that's ranked this highly, this consistently. Yeah. It's, it's super solid. Um, I, I think I'd give this one a 10 and it probably deserves a nine, maybe a nine and a half. But the, the feeling that I got when I found that uh, Felice brothers connection yeah, you're right. made me very excited. And uh, so personally, 10.0. I, in my classic little brother fashion, I got very excited and I assumed that I just didn't know something that everyone else knew, which is the <laughs> reference to one ill-fitting suit is a thing that people say. And then I got very excited when Django was like, no, that was a thing. I was like, okay, cool. I'm not crazy. I just so love you're saying yeah. I could start convincing you that things are sayings that people will say. Oh, bud. My uh, my in, in inferiority complex, or more accurately, my um, foolish trust. imposter complex, my imposter syndrome knows no boundary. <laughs> you know, like someone's gonna oh, be like, you don't really know that much about comics, and we're like, I think you're, oh, right. you're right. You're gonna end up in an ice cream man issue someday. I am. Um, <laughs> what do you give it? Oh, I think I give it a nine. Mm-hmm. I just like you know the thing that makes it great is that it leaves so many open doors and windows for me to think yeah. about. There is a part of me that is still aching for some closure or realization for what the ice cream man mythos is about. Right. And I think that if they give that to me, it will lessen the overall impact of the series as a whole, kind of like the Wolverine origin. But mm-hmm. at the same time, <clears throat> every issue at this point is kind of making me want something that I'm not getting. And that's not a bad thing, but you know, it's, I, I you know, 10 might be reserved a little bit for, I, yeah, not as 
I don't know. I think in order to get the real, again, catharsis that I want from an issue of Ice Cream Man, I'm going to need to get a little bit of explanation or exploration for who the Ice Cream Man is or what these sort of universal forces are. Also, if that's never a thing that he wants to address, that's cool too. It'll be super fascinating to see how they address that because at some point they'll surely wrap the series up. Yeah. And I don't think that they would leave us hanging on that, but I think they might leave us hanging while they don't leave us hanging. I you know, just like hope, let us interpret things. I just hope that they don't go on a hiatus temporarily that never ends. That's what I hope. Don't Me pull too. a Hickman. They've they've done a lot of two or three or four month hiatuses, I think, yeah. between volumes. But yeah, I'm always excited when it comes back. Django, what the fuck happened in Hulk number six by know. Donny Cates, Ryan Otley, Cliff Rathburn, and Frank Martin? Buddy, I don't think Donny Cates himself, God himself doesn't know what happened in this fucking comic. But God writes a good book, though, Don. It we love sure you. sure is fun. And the, the last fu- page was great. And the it, like, yeah, I didn't mind being completely lost the whole time. I like it, Django. I like the book. And, you know, an issue ago or two issues ago, I would have said I'm just loving being a part of this insane ride. I don't think that you can draw out kind of how it's working or maybe you can. And I just can't get it. And that's fine. I love that. I love trying to understand it. But I had created some working model for what I thought and the frame of reference of understanding was for this, you know, you got like, I I just didn't know, like, is the idea like the Hulk is in a suit of armor that is flying around. And then inside of that Hulk banner has found a way to kind of project his consciousness within there. So he's kind of like the central executive is what psychologists refer to the, the cognitively aware brain with the the part of your Hmm. brain that is aware that's having a brain um, and thinking within it. So I was kind of thinking that the banner character was the metaphor of the central executive in a site, you know, the psyche, but banners a person, does he fit inside the Hulk's brain? Well, but the physical body is the Hulk, but like, it, the fist, you know, the banner in there was more like that voice in your head that's like, Are you gonna have another beer? And you're like, I'm right. having another beer, yeah, it, it, but it's like sort of like, Let's give it an image. And then you have this like third, totally like almost id based, you know, I guess, I guess it's probably, I bet he's probably doing some Freudian like id, super id, or sorry, ego, super ego, id thing, right? Um, and then like you have the they're essentially tor- what I like is that they're torturing the psychic presence of the Hulk in this basically utter mindscape right and they're fueling that rage like you know banner is in his brain doing that fueling the rage to then make the third party body of the hulk do what he wants anyway that was my model i think all of that went to shit in this issue and i guess i was expecting at the end of the first volume of this to kind of like find a grounding you know the first volume would be this kind of crazy story where we end on a similar footing and then we explore beyond from that and we not only don't do that, we like brush past a bunch of the stuff that it brings up. And now we're like, and hey, we're fighting Thor. Yeah. And it's like, well, that's cool. All of it is cool. And it's very it's all fun. Cool. It's all cool. But this one diverged <clears throat> the most from me feeling like I understood what was going on. And I think this whole thing should maybe be a meditation and being comfortable with not understanding what's going on and just enjoying the ride. Yeah. But in a Hulk comic. Yeah, you're right. A Hulk you know, should just like... be punching and hitting and farting and pooping. I mean, I don't know. There, there's there's a time and a place, and this doesn't seem like it to me. It's also a super popular series, and people seem to be digging it. I'd love to know what somebody else thinks is happening in here. I just like this. Like, if you take this one page at a time and don't try to understand it too much, I think it's wonderful. The the shot of Hulk jumping and and punk, punching through Galactus's hand, oh, and then. Yeah. 
arriving at Galactus's face, who is also a Hulk, yeah, is just terrifying and awesome. There's a shot of is that Betty in the mindscape here? Um, the the woman who's who's talking to Bruce in the I, brain. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think so. There's that shot of her towering over him that is just like her body is so wrong and terrifying. Yeah. yeah. You know, like it's it's I, I really like all the bits of this and I wish I knew what was going on. And they introduced this cool idea of like, you know, everything has a Hulk. Everything, you know, everything has a Hulk. Mm-hmm. Does the Hulk have a Hulk? And that's what this I think they introduced this character. And I was like, that's a really Titan. cool idea. And then I wanted to explore that. And then we now Thor's here, which is which is again fine. But um I can't help but wonder like how many people are reading this because it's a Donny Cates book and like, exciting new things happen in Donny Cates books. Mm-hmm. And that's why I'm reading it. I am enjoying it. But I think if I didn't know this writer at all and it wasn't Ryan Otley who looks gorgeous in this book, I might write it off and be like, this doesn't make sense. So I, Dude, I don't know. There's a pay. There's a panel in here of Ross holding a gun. Yeah. And pointing yep, it at the yep. screen. That's the, the a perspective crazy good. It The perspective, yeah. but also the colors and the line weights on there are not Ryan Otley esque to me. And it's it, yeah, that that panel, it's it's a tiny little panel. It's like a no, I, I can picture it. Yeah. Oh, uh, right a twelfth of the page. Yep. And it's yep. it's gorgeous. Yeah. yeah, it is. And that stuck me as well, because that's like Kirby esque perspective. It's 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 mm-hmm. gorgeous. I think it's yeah. the best Otley stuff that there's been since Invincible. I think he did some work kind of finding his footing on the Spider-Man Nick Spencer run. And I think mm-hmm. he really found it in this book. It's that perfect balance of crazy, gory action, big, dumb. And then he can do characters really, really well. Yeah, and I think I think Frank Martin should get good credit for being oh, a great right. colorist in this. You're right. He's he's killing it on this book. You're right. Yeah, uh, I, I really like it. I just wish that I think that like same with crossover sometimes and kind of with Venom. I think Donny Cates comes up with cool ideas and he starts right, you know, kind of a Django fashion. He gets an exciting idea. I think Donny Cates is less good at finalizing and executing that excitement than you are. I, I think that he oh, can be like, I'm writing this book and now oh wait, shit. Uh, I don't really know, like King and Black. Uh, did that ever pay off? Like, did Noel ever pay off? Did that ever that, make that any dude sense? is a best-selling Carnage? comic writer? Yeah, yeah, he's he he could dance circles around me in execution, but uh, yeah, I I disagree. I, I sometimes and like, this feels like an instance of it, which is like I I feel like it, he's the opposite of Hickman. I think Hickman and Morrison mm-hmm. can be almost boring at times because they're building this machine that's going to pay off. I think sometimes maybe a Donnie Cates book can be very exciting in the moment and not have a long-term goal of where it's going. Yeah. Um, yeah. So sine waves. Um, uh, what do you give this one? I'd give this one. This is hard. Yeah. This one's hard. I'm going to give it a seven and a half, but I'm, that's that like is the, exactly my score, dude. That's the average between a six for story and a 10 for fun. Like and incredible super, art. super fun. Yeah, it is super, super fun. I hope that nothing I said sounded disparaging. I really enjoy reading it. Um, I really enjoy reading it. Donny Cates, you're so much fun to read. God, well done. Well done. Do you think it's a coincidence that Marvel has this heavy hitter, Donny Cates, whose initials are DC? And DC has that amazing Marv Wolfman before he changed his last name was Marv Ignetz, Marvel Entertainment. What do you think about that? Oh, no, they probably have a different one. Hey, Uh, can I, can I, yeah. Can I tell you something? Please derail. You know, we, we, we found that glitch in our system the other day where if you search a a series, it makes a person for it. 
No, like if, if you search a series and there's only one person result, like a contact result, it brings up the contact instead of giving you the, the two choices. I just searched for Hulk and apparently we have a customer named Hulk and the customer uh, comments just say Hulk, no need vax. Hulk's strongest one there is. Oh my God. That I can had only to have been Roman. Roman did that. Oh my God. <laughs> Oh my god. Or like he, Brayden. Brayden loves a long con. That's a great that's a great Roman joke. barely uses this system. I can't you it's check gotta be him. The adjustments. Can't you see who did it? Not uh, no. Not while we're doing a podcast. Not on here, yeah. Oh god. Well done. One. Roman Good one, Roman. Um you know, turns out it's Justin from you know, he just yeah. never used <laughs> from home. Yeah, somehow he hacked in. Batman Superman World's Finest number two by Mark Wade, Dan Mora, and Tamara Bonvillon. I would love to hear her pronounce her last name. Um, loved issue number one. Roman and I both loved it very, very much. Can't think of a bigger Mark Wade fan in my life than Roman. So it's a bummer to not have you here, Roman. We're thinking about you. But I liked this issue, I think, um, enough to adequately, adequately represent your like for this issue as well. Um, although I did think it was a little, I was a step down from the first issue, but Django and I were talking about it on Wednesday. And I do think that it was a kind of classic instance of the first issue of this kind of dropped you into the middle of a thing, got you very, very excited about it. Didn't necessarily bother with a ton of exposition because that's not the thing that necessarily causes everyone to get excited to be a part of a story. Mm -hmm. And then this one, we followed up on those leads and then gave a bunch of exposition, which was necessary and well done Mm -hmm. and properly Mark weighty sciency. But um, you know, it was uh, maybe a little bit more work in the understanding category than the just fun category, but it was gorgeous. And again, I really liked it. Jenga, what did you think? I'm just a big sucker for an Indiana Jones or a James Bond cold open. Mm-hmm. And then they resolve it. And then you have the real story of what's going on here. And they did that really fluidly in the first issue and in this issue. I love the idea of having to perform surgery on Superman. That's always been something that's that's been kind of a conundrum to me. Um, I don't care so much about like somebody who's such a dick that they're from hell or whatever is going on with that guy that they're setting up to be the next bad guy. Um, (laughs) But I thought that a lot of the, like the interpersonal stuff, especially between Robin and Supergirl and uh, just the, the Batman Superman and the Batman and Niles Calder stuff was pretty good too. Like Batman's super pissed that Calder spies on heroes as a matter of routine batman absolutely does that yeah no, it's I, like you hypocrite and the you dialogue know, is they both just keep trying to cut each other off with having the answer which some days yeah. and i do the same thing but like <laughs> it's just like both of them like to be the smartest you know the explanation is both of them like to be the smartest person in the room so it's yeah. i love that again that's just like a mark wade analysis of batman and dc characters i think is right on the money um but no i think you're right like i'm not super interested in this villain but i think when you get invested in a mark wade story and what i love about the prospect of this book is that uh mark wade feels like a writer like morrison to me of like from a time where you wrote stories with a longer goal in mind where many things mm-hmm. nowadays are are like six issues they write it for <clears> six <throat> issues or maybe 12 issues and that's what you're gonna get tom king almost never more than 12 issues almost right. never guys we all know batman um Wade wrote JLA for a long time. Like you can't help but think that these bits of characters, you know, of characterization between Supergirl and, and I assume Dick Grayson, Robin, um, you can't help but wonder that like Wade has what preceded that. And then what's going to come after that in a long term um, in these interactions, it feels a little bit like when reading Garth Ennis's 
uh, preacher, you just feel like mm-hmm. everything is part of something bigger. Yeah. And I like that. It's, I mean, that's a Hickman-esque thing too. Like I like feeling like even if I'm a little bored sometimes, I have the absolute faith that it's building and that the thing that maybe just bored me for 30 seconds is a part of a larger payoff. I don't always have that with Donnie Cates, though I love him, but Wade is someone I do have that. And this issue seemed to have that in spades to me. For some reason, I thought it was Tim, but also I read a lot of Batman this week and it's, I think I might be getting it confused. I don't know. Um, because there were some time jumps in the first issue. Yeah, yeah, the whole thing was kind of kind of balled up. Yeah, I don't know if they ever And Tim I don't know had if they like ever a, say it. Tim had like a long-running thing with Stephanie, right? Yes. That's the only thing that bums me out about the like Tim Drake's got a boyfriend now story. Cuz I I had read enough like sexual tension between Tim and Stephanie for long enough that I was invested in wanting to see that pay off. Right. And I was placing orders just the other day and they're like doing a whole like reprint of all of the Tim stories from Robin. It's like him and his boyfriend on the cover. And I love, you know, I love that. Give me, you know, give me, give me boys kissing. I love it. But, um, <laughs> but I had been kind of invested in a previous relationship that I wanted to see pay off and whatever, you know, they, uh, yeah. Just yeah. thinking, I was it, thinking about it, that like yesterday while doing the initial order, which is confirmed today, Jago. Oh, well done. Place the well done. I was going to think about that late tonight. Yeah. Um, yeah, that that doesn't matter. I, I I like what you're saying about um the the way that Mark Wade writes, and I think it's a we've talked about this before, where like the old Amazing Spider-Man comics where Venom first appeared or where Carnage first appeared. Yep. Yeah. Those exactly. those were like the C and D plots that got moved up to the B and C plots that got moved up to the A and B plots, and I I love that style of comic book writing. It's super soap opera, and as much as comics are soap operas now they really don't usually take advantage of that potential. And I think Mark Wade does that pretty well. No, I, 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 I forgot. It, yeah. That wording reminded me of even that, that way of thinking about it, which is like the A and B plot and the C and D plot and the way that those get moved. And I feel like there was a podcast maybe we talked about that at some point, but you're right. I think that modern comics have an A plot and a B plot and right. seldom have a C <clears throat> and D plot. They don't have someone in the shadows or in the alley watching your hero as they wrap up the b plot and they're gonna bring it up in six issues you know i love if at all yeah and and to me that seems like a bit of time where the publishers had a little bit more faith in the longevity of a run right i think that Mm -hmm. nowadays we're looking at how did your sales look in the first six issues and then what did the first trade paperback sell like and then that's going to dictate the (laughs) length of your run you want to know something okay you know brian garside i love brian garside Brian Garside. I want to hang out with Brian Garside right now. Me too. Me too. I'd call him, but it's probably like 4 a.m. in Canada. Yeah, I know. I forget about that um, northern border. The, five, so the seven-hour northern border jump. Brian did a bunch of work uh, last week and figured out how... This is, this is really boring to everybody else, but he figured out how Marvel decides on the last five digits of their barcode if they have more than 10 covers. And what he discovered was that Marvel's formula for creating their barcodes indicates that they won't ever go over issue 99 again. Hmm. And I could I could diagram all that for anybody who's interested, but like just the idea that if they're going to do more than nine covers, their system does not support a hundredth issue. Yeah. Was was pretty enlightening because, you know, of course, we're never going to see an issue 100 again for real. Yeah, they only I, it's going to be a legacy a twenty-four yeah. or yeah. whatever the hell. Um, I don't know why I said that. Oh, no, it's I'm, because 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 we don't have comics that go right, on right. and on and on forever. They don't come out with a lot of faith in the idea that there's. But I, 
yeah, I mean, like the New Fifty Two undid that, and then Marvel right. Legacy undid that. They they yeah. allowed them to have a, a secondary type of numbering, and therefore they <laughs> never need to worry about the fact that an, a thing will be ongoing according to a number eternally. Which and, is a and like Ms. Mar, I was thinking, okay, we'll just when when they reboot, we'll just name the series Iron Man Twenty Twenty Two, Iron right. Man Twenty Twenty Four, and then as I was looking at the history. Ms. Marvel had two Ms. Marvel 2019s yeah. or something yep. crazy yep. like that. Yep. So they like it, the, yep. the whole, it just doesn't fit in a box, Jeff. And I need things to fit in a box. Hey, bud, when you're coding a thing to make sure a comic shop can run, you absolutely need things to fit in a box. That's why I give World's Finest number two an 8.5. I'm going to give it an eight. I like that. Django, did you read Captain America? No. Okay. Can I talk about this for a minute? Please do. I looked, I flipped the, through the art with you and I really liked it. Yeah. So Captain America number zero uh is a group joint you know um on a 420 special a group joint <laughs> this thing got passed around the circle this was written by tochi onyabuki jackson lansing and colin kelly i hope i got that first writer's name right but i don't think i did and the artist was matia de julius i think that they Ooh. they their art reminds me of jesus Saez, which they did the doctor strange when he was a doctor art right. it's got kind of a digital look to it i like this more than the jesus saez art which that one looks more digital this is clearly doing a digital color gradient thing at all but but the colors it's jango you saw it it's almost there's almost it's the combination of like digital colors incorporating like alex gray ross rather yeah um like there's a watercolor element that is gorgeous and well done and it seems to me like digital color gradients and digital coloring kind of taking another step forward and finally being able to incorporate some of those real life elements. Um, mm -hmm. I thought the book was gorgeous. I do not know if this artist is going to be doing any of the art in any other series because this is a zero issue that spins off into two Captain America two. series. <laughs> One is called Sentinel of Liberty and the other is something of justice. I don't know. Um, Sim symbol of Truth? Yeah, sorry. Sentinel of Liberty and Symbol of Truth are the yeah. two series. And one is going to be uh, Steve Rogers and the other is going to be Sam Wilson. Uh, I thought this issue was way better than I thought it was going to be. I read it right after the pop book. And so that was fun because that was like, what if Captain America got fucked up on weed and then decided to <laughs> revolt from America and just support? And, is that because you were high? Well, right, of course. But that's what Captain America should be to me is that he should be so Captain America should in my mind represent the modulated values of <clears throat> pre-World War II America as it relates to today like how does how do all the best aspects of America from pre-World War II how do those fit today not how did it evolve and become like don't be i don't want the american symbol for today i want the old one trying to represent the old ideas in today's civilization that's what captain america like should that. be and i think that that's what brubaker did really well mm -hmm. and i think that even the movies do that relatively well i think that but i think like superman captain america mm -hmm. is a character that can kind of be polarizing so um this one gosh it's not Brew Baker. It's not like I know the morals of America and I will stand for those. Like that's what Captain America does. And when he sees America failing to live up to those morals, he's going to be on the other side and he's going to make sure America is what it should be. Mm -hmm. um, that's when Captain America is cool. That, and that's what Brew Baker did. That's not fully present here, 
but it's a little bit closer to that than a lot of Captain America stories. You know, it doesn't just feel like a pro-America thing, which is I have no interest in. Uh, I want someone who's like a, you know, a sentinel of liberty. Oh, um, you're in luck, Jeff. But uh, um, this this is basically a great um, Zemo. Zemo? I think it's Baron Zemo. No, uh, the other guy, the one with the face and the, sh- the shirt. Who's that guy? Um, I'm sorry, everyone. Zola. Zemo and Zola. Zemo's got the the purple, you know, beanie and Zola's a face on a shirt. Uh, Arnim Zola just got a big old, big old stupid Kirby-esque plot going on here. And the two Captain Americas go and stop it. And they both do it in their different way. And the art's gorgeous. Um, I thought it was very well constructed. It was gorgeous to look at. It was quickly paced and the banter was good, except for sometimes it got a little raw, 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 like you set him up other panel i knock them down like these weird like high five just like okay cool like clearly you've never written two buddies doing something so you're going back to every 80s story that's ever existed that's, you're going back to america that's america yeah. without the captain no buddy i think i think that's middle america I, I want my captain america to be like you know feathers and lanterns you knock them up i'll set them down this is more like top gun yeah let's oil our chests and fucking flex and high five um, which is great too. Mom, uh, if you're homesick, hanging out, maybe watch Top Gun. I don't know. Um, mm-hmm. Art was really quite good, even though with, with like Simon Kadronsky, who I'm very hip for knowing, um, he'll like reuse when a panel is entirely digital. Sometimes they'll just reuse the panel later on. That seems really lazy to me. Bums me out. That happens in this. But other panels are gorgeous and really well done. Made me excited for both Captain America books. I will read both number ones and I will see if the kind of poor raw, raw, raw buddy writing is prevalent in one and not the other, because I can't tell who wrote what pages of this um, based on how they're doing credits. They just listed three writers. Uh, I don't know what's good and what's bad yet. There are bad elements to this, but there are also good elements to it. But what I will say is that in the last five years, there have not been Captain America stories that have interested me very much in reading. And this one was good and well-paced and I liked it and I would give it an eight and that's captain america number zero do you want a little bit of uh truth bomb dropped on you yeah please do i think it's relevant um the symbol of truth which is the sam wilson series is written by tochi onyabuchi okay and it's illustrated by rb silva oh like him yeah yeah and the captain america sentinel of liberty which is steve rogers is written by colin kelly who also was one of those writers and it looks like illustrated by carmen carnero Okay, don't know him. So no, no, Julius. Yeah. Well, is this the part where we get to some sort of perversion of our buckshot tradition? Like, let's get planned with our We call this the premeditated buckshot light. It's like pre-buckshot. Yeah. So I'm going to start a minute and a half timer, and you and I are a two-minute timer. Yeah, let's do two minutes. Let's do a two-minute timer, and let's talk about canceled. David okay, Burns cool. canceled from Black Caravan. I didn't read um, this. I took one home to read. Uh, Black Caravan, imprint of IDW. L- art looked good. What'd you think? It's it's co-publisher Schmalky. Oh, shit. Yeah, Schmalky. I don't um, know. It's, it's good. It's got a handful of different artists. It's got four different artists, and that's because it's four short stories that lead one into the other. So, like, the end of the first story... Turns out that you were in a movie theater with a couple watching that on the on the movie screen. Okay. And then they experience a thing that happened in the movie, but it turns out that that is a TV show that someone in Japan is watching. So it turns into uh, sort of like a I manga like art style. Um, 
Yeah, and and each one is a different length, which I always appreciate. Like I don't need eight page, eight page, eight page, eight page. It's like fifteen pages, five pages, two pages, eight pages, or whatever. Um, I I think it's I think it's real solid and just a just a nice little one shot horror story from a business perspective. A single issue one shot horror story is a terrible idea, and yeah. we're never going to make money on this, guys. But yeah. It's a well-crafted comic, so. That's like a more poorly done ice cream man. Kind of, yeah. And I would read more from this team. Right, right, right. You know, but I also think that the name is unfortunate because it's it's about a show being canceled. It's not about a person being canceled. Canceled culture, yeah, 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 time-wise. So we didn't hit the limit, but I don't think we have to. What do you got, buddy? I got Batman the Night. Did you read this one? I did. Zdarsky, DG, and Domenico. I just, you know... Justin came in the shop, hung out for a while, um, was like, hey, are you reading Batman the Night? And I was like, yeah, I am. It's very, very good. I went and gathered all of the Batman the Detective issues for him. Nice. And uh, and he was like, yeah, Zadarsky is like, oh, right. This is all the Tom Taylor one. Sorry. Both of them are dealing with <laughs> um, the French guy that trained him, Ducard. Like right. both of them are dealing with Ducard. Both of them are non-normal Batman time frame series. Both are writers I really like outside of Batman, writing Batman. Made me realize how much Batman non-main continuity is going on right now, which makes sense because yeah. there's not much good Batman main continuity going on right now. Um, that being said, I really like this book. Uh, it's doing that thing where it's exploring that kind of lost gap in Bruce's life, and I want to see more of it. Cold really snow like karate, art. Bruce. Snow karate, Bruce. And I want to see what they do. What What are you thinking, guy, who's read way more Batman backstory than me? I'm digging it. Um, this isn't my f- my favorite part of Batman unless it connects to the present. Yeah, I like that. And That's a good point. I don't know. I don't know this character, Anton, but I feel like it might be Ghost Killer. Mm. And if it is, I care a lot less. I did have the thought while I was reading this that I like D. Giannomenico more than I like the other guy, the other Italian guy that's working with Chip Zdarsky on Daredevil. You like this guy more than Chiquetto? I do. Wow. I I would say that's awesome. I I would say Chiquetto is one of my like top five favorite working comic artists right now. That's not a knock on Chiquetto. That's a a big thumbs up to D. Giannomenico. I do not um, think that Anton is the name of Ghostmaker. I Googled both those okay. names. Nothing came up. Good. But um, no, this artist is yeah. phenomenal. I, I yeah. love this artist. Yeah, it's it's like way better DC house style to me is what it comes across as. Oh, you hear that? That's the I, ha- I have the wrong sound effect. Oh, no, that's, that's a good. That's, that's a fine that's one. one it's fine, though. Well, I wanted to talk just for a moment about yeah. Catwoman Lonely City. I know you're not. Reading oh, it. but I read the Are first you, one, but. You even told me to take them home. And like, again, black label books, I forget to put them on the shelf. I forget to take them home. I forget forgot to bring them downstairs for Wednesday. Yeah. Like, uh-huh. yeah, uh, this is excellent, though. It's it's just like the art is gorgeous. The way that they're the way that they're aging all these characters up is really interesting. The way that their heists never go well, like it's is it like Mission Impossible four. I think it is where they have a Mission Impossible where everything always goes wrong their masks won't print their tech fails at every possible turn and it's always the the human side of the team that pulls through and makes things happen through all these horrible odds and that's what this feels like over and over and over just like okay we got this plan ah fuck the plan didn't work i guess we got to improvise and you know catwoman riddler jason blood and uh and poison ivy in here along with killer croc it's it's good it makes you really sad sometimes 
You said Killer Crockett's. Killer Croc, it's good. Killer Crockett. Yeah, that, that was that was not a Miami Vice reference. Oh, okay. Uh, what what do you got, buddy? Um, is that the final issue of that series? No, I thought it was. It's issue I, three, I'm but so it's at glad least that it's four not. issues long. I, I'm yeah. so glad that it's not. I'm so glad it's not because that is one time. I really want to be reading. Yeah. You don't have to crimson cage it. There's still time, buddy. Oh, crimson cock cage. The crimson. <laughs> what is that? Uh, the crimson. Those are nah, anyway. Um, the cook. The crimson cook. The c- uh, <laughs> Nightwing number ninety-one by Tom Taylor. So you get a Tom Taylor copy of Nightwing, and you think, well, this is probably going to be the best comic that came out this week. And it, there's a good chance it's going to be. And in spite of what happened on this issue, it still can be. The favorite or the artist of this week was Geraldo Borges. I believe that was maybe who did the previous issue of Nightwing. It's a bummer to not have it be Bruno Redondo. Mm-hmm. they've got such a voice and such a team uh it's he's amazing. gotta rest his hands though i get it and he did the he did the nightwing superman both issue thing so he needs a, a a break but you get really bummed when you realize it's not him and then you get really surprised that it's still very good this happened in the the, the last nightwing issue um it's it's great uh the writing can hold his own the art is fine but this one does a lot of very fun sort of like Batman and Nightwing, or sorry, Nightwing and Flash take down uh, KG Beast. And and he's like, you're never going to find out who I'm working for. And he's, they've got them all bound up and shit. He's like, I'm never going to tell you. And Nightwing's like, okay, cool. And he takes off his mask and he grabs the dude's phone and he unlocks his phone by taking a picture of his face <laughs> with it. And he's like, all right, I need you to take this to Oracle, but make sure it doesn't lock. And the Flash like runs it off to him. It's like, okay, easily. And that's not the only time in this issue um, where Tom Taylor mentions and uses the change in technology instead of pretending like the change in technology doesn't make the way that superhero comics break down. Yeah. Um, you know, like the presence of a cell phone really changes the way that a murder or a crime book takes place. But uh, I like that he's using it and running within these superhero books. It happens a lot. Uh, very good. Great cover. Can't wait for Redondo to be back. But this one was very, very good. And I would give it an 8.5 regardless of what happened. And Django, like you said, these last couple issues, probably because it's not the main artist. They've kind of just been Nightwing hanging out with his friends in the, the you yeah. know, Justice or Teen Titans or the Titans. And that's that's great with me. Do it. Nice. Um, Nightwing, you're so good. Tom Taylor, you're even better. Two boners. Speaking of boners. Yeah. I read Black Hammer Reborn number oh. 11. Oh. Jeff Lemire, Caitlin Yarsky. I'm not going to spoil it for you, but I'm going to tell you that this is the most excited I've been for this Black Hammer series. Mm. And there's only one issue left, but one of, one of my big complaints about Black Hammer has been that after we found out what was going on with the farm in the, mm-hmm. in the original series, they didn't seem to treat it with respect. Yep, uh, like the Justice League Black Hammer crossover just like ignored it, ignored the whole the whole meaning of the first 18 issues or whatever and this this kind of puts a starts putting a bow on that and and gives us gives us an out for some of those other stories because it's been the stories have been great the whole time the art has usually been great and just that this this is a fairly small continuity and you should be able to keep it together and i'm glad to see jeff lemire kind of bring it back around and, and put it back together like it should be this is not the first time that i've fallen behind on that book but i would say justice league and black hammer never needed to cross over and maybe it was a good story i didn't read it but that it seems like such a yeah I, again so much of the premise from black hammer set up them being on the farm and then when they started moving like making answers happen which right. is logical. They start ex- like, moving the story in the direction of those answers. But I, I think you're right. I, I, I think that it didn't pay respect to this, really the primary portion of the story that everyone fell in love with. Um, yeah. yeah, yeah. And the the tease for the next issue 
uh, is that classic, oh. was that WC Wyeth painting? Is that who it is? Like, I don't know. The, it's called Christina, I think it is. Oh. And uh, Preacher oh. had an homage to it. I love um, that book. His mom's name was Christina, and it's her like looking over this field out to this house. Hmm. Um, yeah, it's it's a it's a nice nice little homage there. I'm glad and to hear that book. Next, is... the Black Hammer Saga concludes. So oh, that would be a real bummer if this was the end of Black Hammer. Bummer. Wow. Um, I need to catch up then. I need to pull a Crimson Cage on the. I read the first couple issues of that, but when Ormstein left, I I was pretty bummed. So. Um, yeah. What uh what'd you give it? Oh, I'd give that a nine and a half. Yeah. Yeah. God damn it. I gotta catch up, bud. I'm yeah. sorry. Oh, I, I'm sorry. I, I wasn't judging you for it. Is it is there anything else you really wanted to talk no, about? No, bud, that's it. We're ramped up. Oh. We're about to we're yeah. three minutes away from our end mark. I I would say I would say the last issue of Blue and Gold was solid. Oh, I would say the last done. issue of Refrigerator Full of Heads has a shark swallowed by the back half of a snake. Trying to eat somebody sounds like what i'm trying to do in uh, elden ring right now dumb and awesome and i've been really impressed with aerosmith it's yeah. super wordy it's super heady and uh i didn't read the original but good stuff man comics are good this week there wasn't a lot that i was excited about going in but they were good i mean i knocked out basically my entire list tuesday and mm -hmm. uh that gave me the ability to read all of crimson cage today and every book yeah. i read you know, I loved every book, book I read this week. I loved, including all of Crimson Cage. So, um, yeah. yeah, I totally agree. Comics were very, very good this week. We have a series like it was kind of a small week. Last week was kind of a small week. I think next month is a five month. So I think week four and five are going to be pretty small as well. But yeah, um, they put some big hitters in those weeks. So don't... And there's just paper problems, man. I think I think things are just just barreling towards unpredictable. Yeah, it's pretty fun. I would prefer to live in interesting times than bad than boring times but i would not like to live in interesting times that are making it impossible to run a business so i would prefer to create my own goddamn interesting times yeah yeah you know listen i think you know what restriction is sometimes what makes the best art so i like a little bit of restriction <laughs> and then um like today uh i sat down to get on this podcast and record it i was very excited to do that and as soon as i sat down and looked down and i saw an enormous pile of cat vomit and i thought man that's crazy because that's normal cat vomit and like hairballs, but there's like a big green one and a big blue one. Oh, and I was no. like, Sam, come in here. What is this? And we looked at it. I was like, okay, so they're eating the cloth of something that is colored. And I realized we bought them some catnip foam, like catnip cotton balls. For and 420? No, just they love catnip. And one of them is eating those balls. He's eating those balls and then he's throwing those balls up. So we're no longer doing those balls. That's not our that's not our our thing this week, but maybe next week on episode two hundred and a different number that number 68? next week will be 268ing i'm in an email from marco devanzo right now god 268 you got an email from week. marco it's from two days ago don't worry about it he texted marco. you too love marco love comics pro um just a huge shout out to everyone who listens and who hangs out or maybe listens and doesn't listen anymore or did listen whatever uh phil love you jay mm. Love you, Andrew, mm -hmm. Will, Nathan, all of the, you know, the, the ambulance, the Lances, you know, the James Burks when he does list. I love, love all. Of, uh, you, we've got, yeah. Did you hear that voicemail from James Burke on our, on our store no. phone? No, it's saved on the phone. It's very, it's very nice. It's very funny. God, I love that guy. Yeah. Um, and uh, Craig Mueller did inquire this week. Do we have so few listeners that we are going to get taken off the air? No, that's a joke. No. That I think Django started that I went with uh, when Django told us we only have eight listeners and I believed it. Um, nine or 10 at least. 
see, he keeps undershooting. I think it's more than that, but we're, we're doing all right. But if you could get more people to listen, that would make it even more rewarding for us. Uh, we wrote an email to W. Maxwell Prince before this started. So who knows? Maybe he'll tell everyone how good this is. Hey, tell Andrew, can you Reddit do uh, about it? Andrew, can you do a uh, cut of this podcast that is just the portion of the ice cream man conversation so that we can send that to W. Maxwell Prince? That would be awesome. Mm. Um, Django, do you got any other mess to clean up? Do you want to tell people how they can send us or not send us emails or phone calls? Yeah, I mean, you should send an email to Jeff at thecomicsplace.com. You should uh, probably also send, uh, wow, those are nipples you're showing me right now, bud. Is your mom still listening? Yeah, she's probably not. Does she make it to the end of the episodes? I hope she's sleeping now. She's sick, bud. Uh, Uh, Thoughts and prayers for Kathy Kipp, everyone. My mom is sick. Please make sure she's okay. Yep. Um, Also, we should probably uh, tell people that they can send us voicemails to that same email address. Jeff at thecomicsplace.com. Yep. Um, I'd like to give a quick shout out to the Dopey podcast, which I started at the beginning of, and I'm I'm hooked on it again, ironically, hooked on this podcast about like drugs and alcohol. I, and I feel like when we were like, when the pandemic happened and you and I just spent like a month and a half recording like three hour podcasts to try mm-hmm. and get people to have something to listen to while they're sitting at their homes. Yeah. I feel like you were talking about the Dopey podcast then. I think I was. Yeah, it, it's uh, Dan Brooks told me that I was talking about it slightly pre-pandemic. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's, it's excellent. I don't know if everybody's got the, uh, fortitude for it. It's, it's heavy on the drug stories, but that's, that's just right up my, it's like real life train spotting with two dudes that I just really, really like. And yeah. Rick Rubin's podcast, uh, I think round the table or something like that just finished mm. an entire month of doing red hot Chili peppers interviews. So, um, Ooh, nice. I know, I know that you're <gasps> interested in that broken record is what it's called. Broken. Record. I, f- I finished severance. I have not yet. So we'll talk about that in a month. You got to finish it. It's okay. I excellent. heard the season finale is very good. Yeah. It one of the most tense hours of television that I've seen. Oh, I was just bummed because I was like, Sam, I don't know if I want to spend more time. Maybe I was telling you this mm-hmm. more time watching a show that like makes me just kind of hate having a job. Like try I just, like my job. I like my job. Try, like, try interpreting it as a story and not a metaphor. I, okay. Well, think of it as point, a bad future. For me, I just like I get in Adam Scott's car and I am Adam Scott in this. <laughs> you know, like that that's what I do. So maybe I need to not identify with any characters and maybe feel like this show is not trying to make me identify with a character. Cause that's when I get lost. I'm like, I don't I don't want to spend two more hours questioning whether or not my job is is I like my job. Yeah, I mean like we my were, job. When we were talking about this the other day, I, it it made me realize just how drastically differently you and I take in media. I, I mean, don't I, I, take that's not a mystery. To me. No, I just no like... you, you take the, but, but you take them in and you, you juice them in a different way than I do. Like you eat the juice and I eat the pulp or some shit. Yeah. Like I, yeah, no, for sure. I think that so much art is made to be able to be taken in mm-hmm. and not make you identify with the character. I think that takes away from your ability to enjoy it. Right. Like, right. You have to not be one of those people so you can enjoy the whole of it. And I really have a predisposition towards sort of like finding my identifying character and then overly identifying it. And I used to joke with Justin that I always called that main protagonist syndrome. Um, And, you know, like as such, I'm way more likely to force myself to identify with a main protagonist than I am to try and identify with like a less lesser character, a side character or something. I think one of the things I like about that show is that there. I don't know that it's written to give you a main protagonist. I don't know if yeah. you're supposed to like yeah. their setup is so wrong 
from the perspective of the real world that you can't really identify with any of the shit that they're going through in real life. I think what it is in reality, actually, probably at its core, is that I don't like feeling trapped. And that yeah, show makes me feel trapped. And, and I've read intent like that, like the direct, like, you know, like the screenplay, the direction of it is intentionally made to feel you like make you feel trapped right. kind of by a job. But I don't like feeling trapped, period. Um, so things like Breaking Bad, even like I don't want to rewatch that show as much as I want to rewatch it because it felt so like you're so trapped by your actions and your consequences. Like I just the idea of being constricted really freaks me out. On a I wouldn't level. say I like being trapped or feeling like I'm trapped, but I really respect media that makes me feel that. Yeah. Like uncut gems. Yeah. Similar to the last episode of this, just like, holy shit, how can you keep ratcheting up the intensity yeah. of this thing that you're, that, I'm sitting on my fucking couch drinking a beer and watching TV and I'm, I'm sweating. Yeah. Like, good job. Man, that's an endorsement for movie theaters. Those things yeah. make you sweat even more. Anyway, Django, let's get the fuck out of here, buddy. Right. Uh, um we, Django did it all he did it all he set it all up very very well uh we're gonna get out of here this is 267 I am always M Jeff we'll see you next week for 268 send us some emails please this podcast will be here long after you're gone I'm Django I hope your mom feels better soon and I also do, too. do you think she listens all the way to the end I would hope not I'm I, if practically speaking she has a lot more time than she used to because she's retired. She watches a lot of television shows. She's very actively involved in church. Although I think we all know where she got COVID. Um, but <laughs> you know, a bunch of people singing together shoulder to shoulder. Yeah. Um, but uh, I even I just I have an amount of respect for her that makes me think that she doesn't listen to the end. Like listen. I would think that I would think like halfway through she's like, all right, my son has a lot of opinions he says things very confidently i get it i'm proud of him but i cannot possibly listen to him talk about bruno redondo's art versus that other guy's art there's there's really only one way kipper please call in kipper right in the call kippy in. kippy the number is wait Kipster. no it's just my phone you could just you could just yeah. call and leave your son a voicemail and when he answers because he's a good boy and when yeah. his mom calls he answers the phone i do tell him to just let it go to voicemail yeah. and call him back or mom you can write an episode or an email for this like you did for the ted lasso podcast and just send it to jeff at the comicsplace.com or just text it to him or just text it to me or mom you know what i should probably text you to see how you're feeling right now i'm gonna send her a zoom link I texted a lot of people today to make sure they checked in on my mom. So, um, all right. We'll see you all next week, Kippy, for 268. Feel better. Say hi to your mom for me. Say hi to your mom for me.